You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. My name is Colin Kelly. As always, joined on the show by Doug Moore. And uh, Doug, uh, as I got him on the phone here, uh, said that the 5-0 were uh, in town. And I'm just wondering, Doug, have they caught up with you or have uh, have you escaped? They will never, ever catch up with me. <laughs> I am too... Uh, you, there's a whole bunch of adjectives you can use here. but yeah, last, I, ho- just... I, I hope you've improved. Last week, some of your uh, kind of adjectives and that you were using were completely incorrect so let's see what i'll give uh, you a chance what are you, you gonna know say what? No, 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 no. don't 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 go after my my <laughs> language and my vocabulary no 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 no, no. i was spot on you oh, yeah. just you're you're lagging i forgot the americans invented english but uh moving on away <laughs> past that um doug has been uh doing his journeys in the car so we're back at doug's in the car so it should be fun as we go through hopefully back home in one piece and we'll be joined on today's show by josh a lot of you may know him on twitter as fantasy adhd i've kept up with him a lot this season and some uh, phenomenal data been uh, you know shot out there some great graphic work to to kind of put that content into a, an easy and digestible manner he's working with rotoviz 2qbs.com and uh, somebody i've been trying to get on the show for quite some time so uh, i'm glad that he's aboard uh, thanks for coming along josh no thanks for having me on it's uh looking forward to it uh the popo aren't uh, chasing you down wherever you, <laughs> wherever you're located I am hold up pretty well in my office right now, so if, if they do find me, they're going to have to put a lot of work into it. Yeah, so hopefully uh, we all make it through this without getting arrested before the end of the show. But when I when No Doug, guarantees. Yeah, no guarantees with Doug. Uh, but Doug, when we uh, kicked off this call, you did mention that uh, you're now on uh, six days of holiday starting from today. So you were trying to do some uh, Christmas singing as we, as we got on board the show, but uh, I bet you're looking forward to those six successful days in a row. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's not six days. I, I'm off tomorrow, Friday, and then Monday and Tuesday. But, it, yeah, in the two weekend days, and that's six days. But uh, oh, I'm not oh, completely just... on vacation. Um, <laughs> I will actually be going to Gillette on Christmas Eve. Huh. Um, and I'll be covering the Patriots versus Jets game on Saturday. So, yeah, we had uh, this discussion last week as well. Um, when you're attending uh, football matches, I don't, I have no, I have no sympathy yet again for you in this. Uh, Josh, you feeling the sympathy there for Doug uh, having to go and cover a football match on Saturday night? Oh, not at all, not at all. <laughs> I, in fact, that I, I would prefer to be at a football match on a Saturday night than uh, than with a lot of family. Oh, but that's just- that, that's a different that's a different subject. Hopefully, they're not listening to the podcast and. Uh, uh, <laughs> they know that I love them, but they know that I love football just as much. Yeah, I think uh, all our loved ones probably know that at this point. But uh, I'm I'm on a pretty busy stretch. I'm working in a butcher's at the moment, and uh, I'm in six days straight here up until Christmas. But uh, you know, really looking forward to the the Christmas. Obviously, a lot of good football games coming up this weekend too, as we head into the playoffs. And uh, Josh, are you getting any downtime over the next week? Oh yeah, I, I'm about to start. Uh, I think uh, 12 days off straight. Oh, you know, I had, a, you know, I've had a real ringer of the last two years. Um, I, I started a new gig, and we've been just pretty much um, put to the grindstone over two years. So I haven't used any vacation time really up until this point, where I have to use it or lose it. So I, yeah, I'm out the rest of the year after today. Oh, nice and. Uh... I, if, if it's use or lose it, I always say make sure you use it and uh, take advantage of it. Yeah, that's something that I definitely agree with doing there. Obviously, we had um, last week was week 15. I was just trying to work through my head as to actual what week we're in at the moment because the season has just flown by at this point and we're into, uh, if you're in fantasy football and that's probably where you're listening to the podcast, uh, you're probably in your playoff final if you're still going this week. Unlike me, who I'm in uh, a couple of third place playoffs, but starting off with you, Josh, uh, have you made it uh, along to any uh, finals this week? No, I, I, you know, I rolled a Yahtzee this year. I, I made a lot of calls early in the preseason that I thought were going to be good calls this year. And, you know, through certain circumstances, we all go through them. Uh, things just didn't work out for me this season. And it, it wasn't for a lack of effort because I worked the waiver wires and I was trading my tail off. And, uh, you know, sometimes things just don't work out. I, you know, a lot of us probably ran into an iceberg in week 14. That certainly <laughs> happened to me and my best teams. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just get to enjoy it and watch football and just enjoy football this weekend, which is something, you know, I haven't been able to do in four months. So looking yeah. forward to that. 
I, I agree with that as well. And being a Packers fan, I uh, really enjoyed watching their game versus the Bears last week. I didn't really enjoy the fourth quarter up until uh, Aaron Rodgers threw that uh, 60-yard dime to Jordy Nelson. But I did enjoy the way the things shook out there in the NFC North last weekend. But yeah, as you mentioned there, week 14, uh, there's a lot of, I have a couple of teams that are Julio-less for the last two weeks and uh, didn't manage to make it through that hurdle. So uh, it's been it's been a trying season of points. Uh, I was very, very high on Keenan Allen coming into the season. So obviously I took a hit in week one and you know kind of half kind of 50 50 percent halfway through the year kept things going was in, in the hunt for a lot of you know championships but just over the last two weeks i've fallen apart uh, and it hasn't worked out doug what about you uh, is it looking any better for you uh yeah no uh no <laughs> it, it's uh yeah i i managed to uh i am not in any more playoff games um yeah i i i like josh took a lot of gambles here um I drafted Matt Jones in almost all my leagues, and it, it didn't work out. Um, yeah, I also drafted sure. Kobe Fleener in a lot of my leagues, yeah. and that didn't work out either. No, I, I, if, if you guys have been listening, you know that 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 those are probably my two least liked uh, players in fantasy, <laughs> and, and I'm I'm happy to admit that uh, yeah. I was right on both of them, and uh, I will continue to be right. Um, but uh, no, no, I'm not in any more playoff games, and uh, no, I will not be winning my money back. So what Doug's trying to say is he was right on both of those, but he's made it to no playoff final. So if you have either of those in your roster... It's uh, a conspiracy, though, including our league. Yeah. It's uh, it's just, you know, it's one of those, sometimes you, you get lucky and the things go right. And sometimes it comes down to just having that one player in your team. Uh, and in the semifinals last week, I went up against David Johnson in a couple of leagues. And we talked about last week, going up against Le'Veon Bell. Sometimes if you have that stud in your lineup, David Johnson in particular is just out each and every week putting up uh, nice numbers over 20 points again this past week. So if you have those guys in your lineup, sometimes they can carry over the line. And Josh, you mentioned there, you know, the lowest scoring over the last two weeks. So if you have the guy who's putting up 20 or 30 points, it really will get you over the line in some of those lower scoring uh, matchups so that, that was a, an interesting point with the, the lower scoring games too uh, moving on to uh, the probably the kind of two big coaching stories in the past week is LA and uh, of course Jacksonville parting ways with their coaches I know there's been a lot of jokes and I've joked about it in the podcast over the last probably the whole season uh, Jeff Fisher and the LA Rams but you never like to see anyone lose their job, but I think somehow Jeff Fisher's going to be absolutely fine uh, with uh, you know the financial side of things. But he's, he's been sacked by the LA Rams. The effect, obviously, on this year is going to be looked at as Todd Gurley and, of course, uh, with Jared Goff as well, coming in having some games. He's kind of struggled. Uh, you know, well, That's probably been an understatement, but he has struggled. But Gurley this season has been a, a real point of concern and going early in a lot, of, a lot of fantasy drafts this past season and just hasn't worked out for him. Uh, real struggles they do get the 49ers this upcoming week but looking at it probably more so from uh, you know looking into 2017 Josh I'm going to let you go first how do you see uh, those kind of guys you know do you think there's going to be a, a big leap from them next year do you think it's something that just all depends on who the coach is I think it's probably not going to be any worse than it has been this past season yeah, I mean, I really don't see how it can be any worse. Uh, the, the last five years for the Rams have just been an unmitigated disaster. So, at least, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So, I would like to see the Rams, you know, obviously everybody's talking about them bringing on a very sharp offensive line to run the squad. And I think that's all fine and good. But, you know, they kind of re- need to restock the cupboard and they don't have the draft picks to do it. So, I, I'd kind of like to see them bring in at least some uh, some quarterbacks, maybe from second and third round. It's kind of akin to what Washington did in 2012 with Griffin and Cousins. Um, you know, that's paying some dividends for them now. They they took multiple shots at one position rather than hedging all of their bets on a player like Jared Goff. Uh, you know, without any first round picks, the next I think it's the next two years uh, they're going to have to do something like that in order to get the thing turned around a little more quickly. Yeah, I agree. And you know, there's obviously been names linked at the moment with the job. Uh, John Gruden's been linked, but. It's one of those things that until the head coach is put in place and until we kind of have an idea of what the, the scheme is going to be, we'll see how they go through the draft process and free agency, how things are going to pick up. But they have put a lot of you know draft stock into that offensive line over the last couple of seasons. It just hasn't worked out. The offensive line has been pretty much abysmal uh, all season long. The quarterback situation is interesting. And, you know, they... I think you have. I know what you're saying is kind of try and put in a few more pieces to see what you can get a quarterback and see if any of them hits. But I think second, third round might be a bit too early because off the way they are with their first round picks over the next couple of seasons. And you know, at the time, I didn't think they should have put all their eggs into you know either of the quarterbacks, Wentz or Goff, in this draft come last year. And 
you know, it just goes to show you, sometimes you can put yourself in a real hole giving away those picks. And I think the, the Rams now might have done uh, that with, with their ball club. Uh, Doug, is there anything you want to jump in there with the LA Rams, either the coaching, you know, change, who they're searching for, or uh, any of the players on the team, how it might affect them in 2017? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's really hard to to try and and, and and like you said, talk about players and what could be and what what could happen, especially when you don't know what who who's going to be their coach. We don't even know who's going to be their GM necessarily because I I personally, you know, when you look at you know a guy like Les Snead who mortgaged his team's future for Jared Goff, and still the jury's out on him. But when you're a team that's struggling at so many different positions. It's hard to justify doing something like this, and it hasn't paid off so far because they continue to actually get worse and worse. Um, you know, they, we always joke about the seven and nine, eight and eight. They're not going to make it that year. They're not going to make it this year. They're not going to do that. They're going to do worse than that. And, and that's not to be funny, really. It's 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 sad because it's unfortunate that the Rams are continue. You know, they move and you know, oh, they won't go back to the big uh, the big lights in uh, Los Angeles, but they got nothing to show for it, and it, it's it's pathetic in a way. And I feel bad for. Not only the Los Angeles fans, but the St. Louis fans who still lost their team. So I, I'm not confident in anything, but like you said, it can't get much worse for guys like uh, for, for uh, Todd Gurley. So I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's going to depend on on what happens over the next few months and, and what type of. Uh, uh, of changes they make in the coaching in front office yeah i agree there and i think uh, you know it's an interesting we're going to talk about the jags now and uh, just before we get to that obviously i mentioned they have the 49ers this week there's possibility that uh, jared goff who is in the concussion protocol after getting a big hit last week may miss out this week and uh, it's possible sean Mannion might get the start at quarterback over case keenum this uh, upcoming weekend uh, but the jags moved on from gus bradley and it was a kind of strange situation where after they lost to the texans uh, you know they they cut ties with him straight away before they flew home he flew home with them on the chartered flight back so kind of a, a strange situation they said they were going to relieve him of his duties after the game no matter what the result but I have to think that the way the, the game went about uh, had something to do with it but when you look at guys like Todd Gurley who I mentioned a moment ago and obviously Blake Bartles and uh, going to the Jaguars obviously you're looking at Alan Robinson and so on players who have had down years I have huge concerns about Bartles I always did outside of fantasy football the last couple of seasons uh, you know actually on the field he has had severe issues in my opinion but when you look at those guys when a new coach comes in a lot of the time you'll see that people give them a little bounce they'll think that the coach is going to turn things around maybe they'll say he's a quarterback whisperer maybe it's somebody who they say there's going to be an offensive genius get the ball maybe again more to Alan Robinson so on and so forth and I think you'll see now in the next couple of months in dynasty leagues that when the coach's name depend none of it's an offensive mind or whatever these players their values may shift but if, a, if an offensive style head coach went to somewhere like Jacksonville I think you could see a bump up again in uh, Alan Robinson's value as it has uh, decreased as the season's gone along but anything that you want to add Josh uh, on the Jacksonville Jaguars move I think it's something that obviously had to be done at the end of the season or obviously now but it was something that was inevitable really uh, but on Bartles Alan Robinson maybe even Marcus Lee uh, Marquise Lee any of those guys that you've uh, strong opinions about as we move forward I, you know, I still think Allen Robinson is a guy worth holding on to if you've got him, because if you attempt to trade him now, you're going to get pennies on the dollar for your investment, more than likely unless you were able to pick him up uh, late in a rookie draft. Uh, I, I still think that if, if Blake Bortles is president as the starter next year, regardless of who the coach is, uh, it's going to be a toxic situation for anyone around him. So I think in order to, to really appreciate and value any of the, of the surrounding players around Bortles, they're going to have to have a new quarterback. And you know, it could be a quarterback like uh, Brian Hoyer, you yeah. know, but anyone pretty much will be an upgrade, obviously, except for Chad Henney, because they won't play him. <laughs> but they've got to do something at quarterback in order to to give those the, the surrounding players any kind of boost in value. Yeah, it's an interesting one, too. You mentioned somebody like Hoyer. I think that's, you know, a realistic op- opportunity there for them, because you look at the way their cap situation is over the last few agencies, they have kind of thrown money at certain players we've seen last year with Chris Ivory they give them that contract and that contract was almost just to try and hit that minimum on their cap side of things if you take somebody in maybe like a hire on a one or two year contract it uh, puts you know competition with him and Bartles and then obviously if you're thinking Bartles isn't going to be the answer long term you don't want to be signing him to a long term contract uh, as his rookie deal starts to come towards uh, its expiration so I think that there would be an interesting move maybe a bridge quarterback and I think no matter what they do this year uh, whether it's in the fifth round or the fourth round or whatever they have to take somebody uh, to have competition if they don't take somebody in in free agency because I just don't think Blake Bortles is the long term answer there but I think Alan Robinson is no doubt a talented wide receiver and I took him this year in a couple of startups I took him uh, 
eighth overall in the, one of my dynasty startups so you know that hasn't worked out for me there's no way i'd be trading at this point in time and i think uh, as the coaching change happens and uh, as we see what happens with the quarterback situation i think his value will start to, to start to pick up i don't think it'll get near that first round uh, this offseason but i think it'll start to climb up into that early second round so you'll start to see a little bit of return on value i think marquis lee is interesting there as well but outside of that i was very high on tj eldon coming into the season and you know it just hasn't worked out there i think it's more a case that him and chris ivory are split in time but even when he got the opportunity it hasn't really worked out for him either but uh, i think those both moves had to happen and i think what you'll see is the teams are kind of trying to cut ties early to get in and try and get that advantage to, to try and get ahead of everyone else in the, in the coaching search so two coaches moving on we'll see what that does for the teams but looking for a few other guys uh you know dynasty and long-term view we're going to look at them some of them from week 16 the fantasy playoffs and the first one up here is adrian peterson he came back last week a lot of us thought that he wouldn't come back uh, in the fantasy season and if you played him last week you're probably hoping that he uh, you know he wishing that he hadn't come back in the fantasy season he ran for 22 yards on six carries so pretty much a decoy last week their running game has been atrocious this season they got absolutely blown out by the colts last week and you know it's possible you can say that he was shaking off some of that rust but i think there's absolutely no way you can trust him in week 16 uh, you know if you're looking to win a championship if you've got this far without him go with whoever got you this far and if you're relying on him you're pretty much uh, stuck this week I think is that something you'd agree with Doug Uh, there's no way you could play AP this week and just looking towards next season obviously he's going to be a huge cap uh, number to the Vikings next season do you think that we've uh, we're coming to the end of his time in Minnesota and just looking at his performance this season whether it was last week or whether it was those that kind of one and a half games that he played at the start of the season do you think AP has kind of hit that wall and you know he's no longer the the great force we are used to seeing do you think he's at the end of the road yeah I mean it's really hard I mean talking first about week 16 um there's even he missed practice today there's talk that he's not even gonna he might not even play and you know this this just seems like a bad uh bad scenario where they shouldn't have really brought him back at all yeah i don't think risking re-injury and he's, he's not ready at all they, they said he was but you could tell by him playing he fumbled too and he just wasn't looking good in regards to his long-term future i'm not confident in him at all i think he's at the end of the line really yeah. because when you look at him he wasn't doing good even at the beginning of the season before he hurt his knee and, you know, it's just tough. He's I think he's 32 now. You know, he's still a physical specimen. But, you know, you could be as, as bulked up as you want, but that doesn't mean you're going to get results. And I understand that this is a, a beat-up, uh, you know, Vikings offensive line and a beat-up, you know, offense in general. But I don't know if Adrian Peterson can, can, can put up, you know, workhorse-type numbers and be able to, to do well. It's just it's age, it's injury history, and it's also drive, you know. Yeah. You listen to him talk over the past, you know, couple months. You know, for example, a few weeks ago, he only said he was going to come back if they had a chance to to make the playoffs. That's kind of a jerk thing to do, I would say. But that's just me. I'm being serious. It's kind of a Doug Moore thing to to say. No, it's not. No, Doug Moore is a team player. He's an asshole. But you know, the other thing is, I don't think he'll be back with the team next year. Is an eighteen million dollar cap hit next year, which the the Vikings did to themselves, and it could be interesting to fantasize where he's going to go. But I'm not going to be ready to draft him in the first two rounds or expect him to have a you know a a, a big role wherever he were to go. Just because I don't know if he can handle two hundred to two hundred fifty carries a season. I think he's more of a you know what a Chris Ivory is nowadays. He signed a big contract, great, but he only got you know. 15 touches a game maybe if that i don't think that that adrian peterson can can put up workhorse type numbers anymore and i i I don't know like you're gonna hold on to him but i wouldn't bank on him you know being your savior next year for example yeah i agree with that doug i have him in uh, only have him in one dynasty league actually and you know it was a team that is kind of getting older and i was hoping to make a run this year he obviously has been on ir most of the season in that league but he's somebody that you know if he does move on to another team he's somebody that i'm going to be trying to move on as for whatever the i think is the maximum value i can get i don't think i think his legs are probably gone at this point josh uh, what do you think uh, of ap going forward anything else to add to that well, I, you know, I don't own Adrian Peterson anywhere right now, and that was for a reason because I thought his legs were gone at, at workhorse carries. But in the right role, I think he's going to be an ideal add in leagues, especially at the price you should be able to get him for. I think you could probably throw um, a third or a fourth rounder at him and get very good value back at the right role. You know, maybe he could slot into a role like Lindale White did a few years ago with Chris Johnson 
uh, where he becomes the power back and gets maybe, let's say, 120 to 150 carries in a season yeah. and scores 10 to 12 touchdowns on those carries. I'm down for that. And I think he has that in him. But, you know, trying to give that guy 24 carries a game anymore, obviously it's been an exercise in futility, especially with the uh, the offensive line that they've had in front of them. So, like always, it's going to depend on the price. But I think at this point, his price will probably be cheap enough where he's worth a speculative ad on your teams. Yeah, I think that the price probably would be there. But I think I'd be trying to move him at that price. And it's going to be interesting to see what sort of contract, if he does go in the open market, what he might get. Because, you know, I can't see anyone farking out he's probably going to be looking at a 68 million uh, a year contract and that's a huge drop down from where Doug mentioned at 18 for next season so we'll see what happens there and talking of uh, the Rams trading up obviously to get golf this past season uh, you look back now at, uh, after Bridgewater went down and them trading for Bradford it looked like a, a brilliant decision after five weeks of the season but of course the Vikings this year as well without a first round pick uh, for this upcoming draft so it's going to be uh, tough for them as well uh, at the quarterback position especially with the way that offensive line is moving on next to the next player I have down here and it's Alshon Jeffrey. obviously he had a, a PED ban for four games he's playing on the franchise tag at the moment against the Packers this past week uh, he looked very good I thought but again the Packers secondary has been having its issues uh, Jeffrey caught six of nine targets for 89 yards in his second touchdown on the season. He's, uh, you know, I, I just still think that he's a physical freak. I think all the abilities there. I think the situation this year, early in the season, was very, very bizarre. Um, I think when he's given the opportunity, I think I think he's one of the best wide receivers in the league. I'd put him in the top ten anyway. I, I own him in a lot of leagues. I'm still buying him even during the the suspension. But this week he's going to get uh, Josh Norman probably as they face the Washington Redskins. So. I think, uh, you know, if you have him, you're probably going to start him. Uh, you know, there'll be some snaps that he gets away from Norman. But, you know, after the season, it's going to be interesting to see what the, uh, the Bears do because of that suspension. I still think they'll resign him because of the need for talent on that team. But obviously they couldn't work out a deal this past off season. That's why he's playing on the tag. Uh, Josh, what do you think with uh, him? Do you th- see him as a, a reliable number one wide receiver in the NFL? Is he somebody you l- rate highly, of course, in fantasy? And then do you see him on the Bears or uh, have you any kind of matchups you'd like to see where he would land uh, in 2017? Yeah, you know, I, I, my opinion is I think he needs a fresh start. He's been in Chicago his whole career. He had his best years when he was alongside Brandon Marshall. Um, I think he probably needs to be a, uh, a 1B type receiver. So, you know, could he flourish in the right system as, a, as the, uh, you know, far and away number one? I think that's possible. Um, you know, he's a guy that can go get the ball in some really bad places. Uh, so, I, you know, I think about a place like Carolina being an ideal landing spot for him. You know, he, he went to school at South Carolina. It's kind of in his, in his home area. Going back home for him may be the best kind of thing for him to do. Carolina certainly needs a player like him on their team. Uh, you know, Kelvin Benjamin's showing up uh, as not being that kind of guy. <laughs> just certainly doesn't seem to be coming along as well either so you know maybe maybe a guy like Jeffrey is is a cure-all for them um, I, I feel like Chicago on the other hand I, I don't I don't necessarily think they need Alshon on their team anymore you know they they kind of discovered Cameron Meredith. Game, yeah. and and you know they still have Kevin White who you know if he can get healthy and back on the field I think it'd be a very viable number two wide receiver for them so I, I don't think all is lost in, in Chicago if Jeffrey doesn't resign there you know he's going to be horrendously expensive if he does resign i think chicago will probably be better spending their money in other ways yeah i think it'd be better to get a fresh start as well um even with buying him as a, as a dynasty asset i think no matter where he goes i think if you do pay the money for him you're going to give him that opportunity it's going to be interesting to see what does happen i think there's definitely some kind of bad feelings between him and the bears after the way it went that last season playing under the tag and the way this season started off so it's, it is definitely one to watch as we move forward here in the coming weeks um, and to see how the game goes from these next two weeks as well of course as he as he gets the redskins this upcoming week dog anything to add on jeffrey yeah i mean i i agree with josh um i i think that he needs a, a fresh start and he mentioned the panthers yeah. i would love and, and this might be hard because they spent a lot of money on a worthless number two <laughs> wide receiver this past offseason but a division rival atlanta i love him in atlanta uh alongside yeah, julio Jones. because atlanta aren't putting up enough yards or points at the moment no but look, imagine if they had him <laughs> like i i it's it blows my mind they would be terrific it would be awesome yeah, i think it, and, it, it, it would be awesome but i think it's going to be you know that's a fantasy football combination more than probably something that we're, we're actually going to see take place but again don't crush my dreams <laughs> he also did mention uh 
the Panthers and just when you mentioned Benjamin I was thinking of, I, I don't own Benjamin anywhere but after me and Doug kind of well I did anyway Doug in the preseason slated Benjamin for quite a quite a few podcasts and then after week one and two I thought oh man I, like I was starting to kind of eat on it and I thought I, I got this one wrong and since that it's just been terrible it's uh, after week one and two you would have thought he was going to be an absolute superstar this season but uh, I really for one as a Packers fan uh, if Alshon Jeffrey moved out of the division I would also appreciate that as well it'd be it'd be nice for myself moving on next you mentioned Brandon Marshall going to his team the New York Jets um, obviously uh, Matt Forte there's a possibility he's not going to suit up this coming week another injury picked up um, in, in last week's game but he, he did suit up and was active but more so in a decoy role uh, against the Miami Dolphins but I think um, you know the, the one I'm interested in now is very high on coming into the season is Bilal Powell uh, really I was on him before Forte signed in free agency but then even after that I thought that he had the opportunity to, to overtake that role it's taken quite a long time for it to actually happen but uh, Powell had 84 yards and 16 carries and caught 11 passes last week so he had 78 yards that is a season high for running backs so it was 11 catches but uh, they get the Patriots this week it's a tough matchup but if Forte wasn't to play um, do you think this week uh, Josh that Powell would be an RB2 Obviously, with that tough, ma- tough matchup against the Patriots, the game script might help him there uh, if they are behind and he you know, gets that pass catch and roll, gets some extra yardage. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. If, if they're getting throttled by New England the way they got throttled by Miami last week, those, those passes will surely be there. Now, it looked like Forte might have gotten banged up a little bit during the game last week. I, I, I was watching it off and on, so I wasn't 100% sure about that. But you know, if, if Forte is going to play his normal complement of snaps, then that kind of you know, it kind of undercuts the ability of Powell to suck up a lot of those PPR points uh, in garbage time if we're assuming that we're going to get to garbage time. Um, I don't have high hopes for any of the running backs on, on New York this week. I, I think they're going to kind of siphon off value from one another. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not really sure what to do with them this week, so I'll probably avoid it altogether. Yeah, well, that that was kind of my opinion too, but I, I just uh, seen before we started recording that Matt Forte short, uh, picked up a shoulder injury, and that and that when obviously he was going into or in that loss, he was obviously going into that match with a knee injury uh, from the previous week. So I think it comes down again. But like I, those leagues last week that I lost uh, and that I sat Powell once, uh, I found out that Forte was active, and obviously that was not the correct decision. But it's one of those I think Powell, if he gets uh, you know the the workhorse role, I think he definitely delivers in it. But again, as you mentioned if Forte suits up it's it's very hard to trust him because there's been a couple of situations this year where Powell you know has only got maybe four carries two catches and obviously it's very hard to put up fantasy numbers off that the other question I have and Doug I know they're in the same division as the Patriots they do face the Patriots this upcoming week uh, out of the two obviously Forte is older but if you're going into next season uh, which of the two would you rather uh, I, I definitely am in the, the Powell camp I think He's shown his ability out of the backfield to catch the ball. I think he can do it between the tackles as well. I don't think he's a, you know, a, a real workhorse where he's just going to go off and put up crazy numbers over the season. But I think in PPR leagues in particular, it has the ability to, to have very, very solid seasons. And I think uh, next season, and he's under contract, I think, for three, it'd be two more years with the Jets. So fully expecting to be back uh, for the next two years. Do you think Powell has the ability to become maybe you know a, a top, kind of 15 RB next season or do you think Forte is still going to be there and eat into that I well first I, I want to say that teams that are out of the playoffs that play their injured players especially important ones yeah. are stupid <laughs> we're talking uh, about the Jets that out. Here, here. Yeah, he, he, he has a, to- a torn meniscus yeah. and he's for playing for most of the season apparently yeah. why why okay but moving on um <laughs> I like you. So the funny thing I, I, you know, when talking about Forte is he signed a three-year deal with the uh, with the Jets this past offseason. Yeah. So did Powell, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Very similar. He also money, signed a three-year yeah. deal. Yeah, I think and they actually got almost. Robinson. Yeah, they both got. I think Forte maybe got like a, a million or two more per season, yeah. but very similar contracts. Um, the problem I have. And, and granted, it's still very early in the draft season. Is a lot of you know draft personalities, a lot of NFL draft guides are are choosing the the Jets to possibly pick up running back in the first round. Uh, it could be Fournette, it could be Dalvin Cook. I'm not necessarily buying it, but it, it just speaks to you know maybe the running back depth in this class, or just that the maybe the Jets just need a, a pick me up in some way. I mean, this situation is ugly. I don't like Forte. I don't like Marshall. They're both aging veterans who 
are in an unstable offense. A guy like Powell I could get behind, but I can't see that he's going to be a top 15 guy if Forte's going to be there. Even if it's a backseat role to Powell, he's still going to he's still going to warrant enough touches. And I'm not going to for one second discount anything that Forte has done over his career. He's been a beast for years, especially when he was in Chicago. Absolutely, but yeah. it, it, like like Peterson. It may be hard, and I think he's even better than Peterson right now based off what he can do with work. But I don't think he can handle full workload going forward just because of age and, again, all the injuries he suffered to his lower body as well. So I would be on the Powell train as well for top 15, top 20, top 25 running back in that range. But not with Matt Forte there, and especially not if they draft a running back, even like on day three, given the depth in this class. Yeah, I think if, obviously if Forte is not there, it would uh, give him a huge boost in value. But I, I could see the RB uh, move in the draft happening, but I also think that this Jets team has so many other issues uh, to try and move on. I think it would be a kind of day two or day three move. Uh, if they did go running back but again we've seen last year with Ezekiel Elliott to the Cowboys sometimes uh, you know those star players can can uh, become over need and uh, we'll see what happens as that goes on the next one up is Tyreek Hill he's somebody who me and Doug have obviously talked on the podcast uh, a couple of times this season and about his off the field issues and I don't own him in any leagues due to that, but there's no doubt the the kid is talented. Uh, he only had one touch this past week, but it, it was a handoff from Alex Smith, went for a 68-yard score, which was his only touch, which was kind of strange, but when when you see the way that uh, he he's running <laughs> he's running through and uh, he kind of puts a step on the the defensive back who just absolutely loses his foot and I know it was very cold conditions in Kansas City and uh, maybe there was ice on that part of the pitch but uh, the way he just made him lose his foot foot and uh, the speed involved is uh, quite incredible. It's the sixth time that he's got a touchdown in four weeks, whether it's punt returns, kick returns, rushing, catching, whatever he's doing. But uh, he, he definitely is uh, you know a multi-dimensional weapon. He's kind of he reminds me a little bit of. Percy Harvin when he was really at his peak when he was with the the Minnesota Vikings the way he's playing at times but uh, how do you see his development uh, you know heading forward I think you pretty much have to trust him if you're in the playoffs and you have him this week but um, do you think that going forward into 2017 that we can see him keep this going or possibly even develop a little bit more uh, Josh? Well it's I I saw a very interesting comparison the other day. Uh, Anthony Amico did, and I saw it on Twitter. Uh, he compared him to Cordero Patterson during Cordero Patterson. Oh, well, I suppose it he could go that way too, up. yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, we had high hopes for Patterson. And then, I you think know, we, we, all, we were there. all over CPAT. <laughs> I mean, we I were, wasn't. Yeah, we were, oh, we were uh, drooling over the guy. Well, I drooled, I drooled it. Doug didn't, but I did. Yeah, I was nope. right there beside you. I was, I was drooling right there with you. I mean, yeah. it was such tantalizing athletic upside and they were using it properly they were handing them the ball throwing them short passes and letting them do returns same stuff they're doing with Tyreek Hill in Kansas City um so I I guess the the Patterson uh comparison kind of gives me some pause about going forward and and even last week they gave the guy one touch now we don't know whether he tweaked something during his run or during a return that might have caused them to scale back on his workload a bit um you know I haven't seen anything in the injury reports this week regarding him so that's probably not the case but it's a bit of a head-scratcher on his usage. But we've seen Andy Reid do head-scratching usage with players before. I was going to say that. <laughs> so, you know, we're surprised. Yeah, he got one touch, and he took it to the house. And, okay, well, why didn't they do it after that? Well, we got Andy Reid on the sidelines. He's got his own agenda, and he doesn't care what our fantasy teams do. So it'll be interesting what they do this week with Denver. I think they're probably going to have to utilize him quite a bit because he's going to be a game-breaker that's going to put them past Denver. I think as well when you look at you know I think that that touchdown might have been in the first quarter I think it was very very early on and you kind of think that he's going to go on and have a, a big day but they did get a second touchdown shortly after that and you know they had a, a command and lead most of the way through the game obviously they lost at the end with that field goal but it, it's one of those things where maybe Andy Reid thought that the game was in control and decided not to use him as much but I, I don't think that makes any sense obviously Jeremy Macklin was back in the lineup but I don't think uh, the targets that he got in this game were something that we kind of intended for Hill's usage but it's very interesting when you go back uh, you mentioned Carterell Patterson I was just thinking back in my head to that game I think it was against the Steelers in the snow where there was an absolutely uh, you know a crazy kind of shootout and then at the end of it Antonio Brown had that kind of they were lateral and around and he stepped out of bounds about the the 15 yard line as he was going in for a touchdown it was a pretty incredible game but I just remember Carterell Patterson just winding over and back the field uh, picking up those uh, touchdowns in that game he, he had pretty amazing rookie season he's actually had quite a few nice games this season but nothing to what we thought so maybe a bit of pause for concern there uh, with Tyreek Hill but again 
you know maybe he uh, continues on that upward trajectory as we move forward player now um that i'm going to talk about and it's you know we talked about branton marshall obviously getting older and maybe it's just because teams are rolling coverage towards branton marshall maybe it's because bryce petty is a bit more of a rapport with uh, a more of a backup wide receiver uh, in this Jets lineup but Robbie Anderson uh, is the third most targeted wide receiver in the league over the past three weeks and that is basically when Bryce Petty's been playing has been the last uh, kind of three to five weeks he missed one game in there with an injury on five looks last week he caught four passes for 80 yards uh, one of those was a 40 yard touchdown he's had some really good catches uh, in the deep passing game it's, it's very interesting to see how he's developing 14 receptions over the last three games for 242 yards two scores obviously petty is concerned a quarterback but you know if he's getting that usage a lot of the time comes down to usage and opportunity but he has been having a couple of nice games here do you think if you were in a a playoff final which none of the three of us are this week would you be chancing him as a wide receiver three and obviously i'm looking short term here as well but long term do you think this is something we talked about the you know the needs that the jets have and maybe going for an rb i think a wide receiver is more in their colin card obviously they have eric decker there as well coming back off those injuries and he's a little bit older somebody i'm very high on as well but do you think robbie anderson uh, this week would you be using him and then do you think there's something to see here long term uh so in, in regards to the short term i i like his matchup this weekend um you know the patriots have been doing pretty well on defense lately but they almost gave up 100 yards to demarius thomas as their number one uh, as the broncos number one wide receiver uh, in week 15 so i think there's definitely a shot i think that the jets are going to have to be passing all game especially with you know considering who they're going up against and, and the fact that they're probably not going to be leading at any point in this game um in in the long term I, i'm not so sure like you said this is a whole thing about usage but also it's a thing about chemistry i think it's fair to say that bryce petty is not going to be the starting quarterback unless there's a four in you know a, a horrible accident or something <laughs> that he'll be the starting quarterback i'm not trying to be funny here it's it's so weird but you know unless someone drops oh. in a vat of, of acid or something like that you know i i at that time i was but you know I, you know i i don't think that bryce petty is going to be the quarterback for the jets next season i'm not saying it's hack and burger anybody like that but i think the big thing here is that they've developed a chemistry you know whether it's working together you know just being both backups or anything like that um it's just really hard to trust him. Uh, we saw the same thing with Cameron, Mer- Cameron Meredith earlier in the season, and we're seeing yeah. it now, too, with Matt Barkley. Yeah. Um, it's just really hard. There's sometimes quarterbacks and wide receivers or quarterbacks and a playmaker have a really good rapport and a good chemistry, and there are other times where they don't, and it all depends. But I think, you know, it's hard. I- I'm not going to bank a lot. I'd rather, if I'm taking a chance on a young Jets wide receiver, I'm taking it on Quincy Anunwa more than anybody i still think he's got a lot more talent and i think that he can work uh, you know he can work in the middle of the field in the in the deep uh deep you know situations uh anderson he's just a guy that's uh, he's too much of an inconsistent too much of a wild i think a new one has shown well and, and progressed and i'd rather take a chance on him than, than someone like anderson in the long term yeah he's somebody i picked up in a couple of dynasty leagues maybe uh maybe three months back um based on just some kind of beat reporting and that and he's obviously had a, a few nice games somebody is very hard to trust though but it's one of those kind of deep stashes and throughout the offseason i'll watch to see how it develops and maybe nothing comes of it and you, you toss him back to the wire again but maybe you, you either pick up a few draft picks for him or uh, he turns into something we'll see what happens there as well moving on to the next one's branton cook somebody who you know i wasn't very big on coming into the season but he's one of those boomer bus guys but coming off a kind of a tough three three week stretch from his toughest actually since he came into the nfl he had his best game of his career seven uh, for 186 and two touchdowns in it um, but you know i think that we're still looking here at a case where michael thomas uh, going forward is going to continue to to improve and i think he's going to be the number one wide receiver there next season this week, I think you're probably against the Bucks. Uh, you know, the Bucks have improved a lot on defense, even in the last uh, two to three weeks since they first um, played in this matchup. And I think that uh, it's it's a tough match. But I think if you have these two guys, they've got you this far. I think you're starting them again this week. But out of the two of them, long term, Josh, who would you be uh, looking to acquire? I'm I'm definitely in the uh, Michael Thomas camp. Would you be in, in on his side or Branton Cooks' side? Yeah, I. <laughs> You know, it kind of depends on the window you look at. If I make the assumption that Breeze is going to play for two or three more seasons, I don't think you can lose with either guy because he's now it's, Breeze is still the guy that makes the offense go. Um, now, if if we talk about Breeze, maybe one more year, and then after that, then I'm going to side on Michael Thomas' side. He he appears to have a more versatile skill set uh, than Cooks. Now, Cooks obviously he's got the burner speed, 
uh, and he can break defenses. But Thomas it appears to do so many other things better than Cooks, at least at this point, that I'd rather have his versatility in an offense, regardless of who the quarterback is, as opposed to Cooks. Yeah, I think I'd pretty much uh, agree there, uh, but still going more towards Thomas. Doug, anything to add on that? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, is that when you look at this situation, um, you know, there's really three main guys here. There's there's Michael Thomas, there's Brandon Cooks, and there's Willie Sneed. And the thing that a lot Kobe of people I see, uh, yeah, Kobe Flinner. Yeah, I just sure. not to know, Doug. Yeah, he, he's good for like one or two catches, for like 15 yards a game. Um, so the, the thing, um, he's a great goal line back too. Yeah, I mean, get him yeah, on the sweep. I mean, also, you know, being uh, yeah, just being like a fourth string tight end on a depth chart at some point during the season. Um, but here's the thing. Um, you know, you look at, um, you know, their wide receiver depth going into the offseason. Cooks is still there, uh, and, and Thomas is still there, and everybody's like, oh, Willie Sneed's leaving. He's not leaving. He's an exclusive rights-free agent. And almost all the time, exclusive rights-free agents come back to the team. So he's going to be there next season, I think. And it's going to be the same situation again where, you know, Brandon Cooks, he's one of the most – wishy-washy inconsistent guys there are in the league when it comes to production we saw him get no targets one week and then he goes for what 200 you know close to 200 yards and two touchdowns another week it's just hard to trust him i love michael thomas not only in on the football field but on twitter he's awesome so (laughs) i I think michael thomas i think he's a more complete player i think he's only going to get better as he gets more looks and gets more trust with drew Brees, who i guess is never retiring so i i like Michael Thomas more long term than, than Cooks. Yeah, and obviously you have to give Michael Thomas credit, Doug, for his uh, Twitter involvement. Definitely part of the the ranking strategy here. Uh, obviously, I'm going to hit a few topics here, and I'm going to run through them quickly. Then we're going to get a few more questions. And then we'll wrap it all up here. But uh, obviously, Brock Osweiler was benched this past week. Uh, not a good game for him. Back to back interceptions. Tom Savage will start this week uh, for the Texans. So obviously, bad timing there for Brock Osweiler. Uh, that contract not looking all that good at the moment, but we'll see what happens. Uh, the dead money that's there with his contract, I think he'll be there next season anyway. Uh, there's no doubt about that, and then he'll probably move on after that. But maybe he gets some time here and uh, wins the job back. We'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe Tom Savage really falls flat in his face this coming week. I'm looking forward to seeing how he does because when he was coming out in the draft, there was a few people that were kind of quietly high on him, and uh, we'll see how he does there. Jordan Rigo kicked out a Monday Night Football against the Panthers. Um, he... He looked like he was in pain with that shoulder issue, but uh, swung the points then after uh, getting into a little bit of an altercation. Ejected from the game, but if he plays this week with the way things have gone with that shoulder injury over the last couple of weeks, it's going to be very, very tough to, to start him with confidence against the Panthers this week. Ladarius Green suffered a concussion, and it's bad news for him, obviously. Uh, missed the start of the season on the pop list. It was meant to be with an ankle issue. There was talk then about the, maybe it was to do with migraines and uh, whether he would ever play again or not and so on and so forth. There was all sorts of rumours going around, but Ladarius Green, that is not good news for him on the concussion side of things. Um, uh, you know, the other one is Darren Sproles. He's expected to be back for Thursday night football against the Giants. He missed week 15 with a concussion. Has been very solid. We're looking as well at the possibility of getting AJ Green and Julio Jones back this week. They will go through tests and practice to see if they can't suit up. But uh, obviously it's a week too late for me and Julio, but maybe he'll win me a third-place playoff or two as we go forward. Missed the last two games with a sprint toe. But to finish up now, a couple of topics I want to get uh, Josh's thoughts on. Obviously, Josh loves his uh, data, loves his analytics, and uh, we're going to look here uh, at you know the differences, obviously, uh, between the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, all the other leagues and sports in particular. We see the NFL is still... They are improving, but they're still quite far away behind the other sports. And I'm going to get, give you the open floor and see what you think, uh, how the NFL is doing in regards to you know using analytics, analytics and using data and uh, how you see it moving forward. And then, of course, how far do you still think they are behind uh, sports like uh, basketball? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a bit of a sticking point for me this year as I've, as I've really start to dug into the data side of things uh, with the NFL uh, you know, before it was just it was pretty, I'd say, uh, topical for me in that I just kind of skin deep. You know, I, I was looking at game level stats, very, very um, high level stuff. And as I dig into the play by play and start to look for more granularity in, in data, I, I grow increasingly frustrated with what's available out there. Um, in my opinion, based on what you see out of MLB, NBA and the NHL, the NFL isn't really doing much service to its consumers by being so secretive about data or, you know, for all intents and purposes, ignorant of the data that it could be producing uh, that could improve its game. Um, you know, for example, just trying to find formational data 
on a play-by-play basis is incredibly difficult. Now you have to have, you know, for the for the casual user, someone like uh, someone like you or me that doesn't have an incredible amount of money to pay for a subscription service, <laughs> you can't get it. You, know, you have to cultivate it yourself, which means you watch every play of every game and yeah. and have a, a note-taking system that tells you what what happened. Um, so. The availability of data like that, I think if, if you had it in a, in a massively distributed manner, would be incredibly helpful and useful for the lead because put it in the hands of the consumers, let them work with it, and they may be amazed at what is discovered. Yeah, and obviously with uh, things like the next-gen stats, we've had Matt Harmon on the show a few times uh, recently, um, you know, Matt Franciscovich as well, and if you look at the stuff they tweet out as well with the, the next-gen stats and they have said about you know the amount of information that they get, but they're not allowed to share a huge amount of it. We see it with Pro Football Focus as well. There's a lot of it kept in-house, uh, but even Pro Football Focus is doing it on their own side of things by charting information like you mentioned, and then you can obviously subscribe to their service. But if you look at the next gen uh, and the way the teams are, they are really protective of all that information. And you know I think uh, we're probably still quite a bit away from them being a little bit more open with it. The other thing I wanted to get your thoughts on was, uh, you know, the Browns are one of the teams that have talked about being more data-driven uh, as we move forward. But this year, obviously, a write-off. Looks like they're probably going to go 0-16. But they've stacked up draft picks over the next couple of years, um, you know, to see how that goes. A lot of young players on this roster, not that many veterans. But if you were the, made the GM, if I made you the GM at this point, uh, what would your key move maybe on their side? Would you go uh, and use more data and analytics? Uh, or do you think they're probably going to kind of stick to the traditional NFL way. I think they're going to be somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I, I think they'll probably end up being pulled back to the middle. I, you know, honestly, if I'm the GM, I, I do nothing. I let them stay the course because obviously they have a plan in place. It's different than anything anyone's tried before. Um, and my opinion is you don't discover breakthroughs without breaking things. And one way to break <laughs> the is to broke a lot of things. <laughs> So, you know, if, if, if I'm the GM, I, I stand aside and say, you guys do your thing and let's see what happens. I'm going to give you five years. One thing I might encourage them to do, and this may be something they're doing already, is to incorporate some kind of, I would say, extracurricular statistical analysis. Um, you know, how can they how can they improve the motion of the players themselves? You know, how can they maximize separation of a receiver at the point of the catch? How can they um, how can they stress the players so that they make better decisions more rapidly uh, things that have to happen in, in the game situation. And then obviously, you know, something that Chip Kelly's done in both of his stops in the NFL uh, was try to optimize um, sleep patterns for players, their diet, um, and also their preventable injuries by having them stick to particular uh, fitness programs. I, I think all of those are probably some some untouched areas for NFL teams with regards to, you know, maximizing their assets, um, especially with the new CBA and my, my gut feel is that players are becoming uh, more injured more quickly because they don't have contact as much. So how do you keep those guys on the field? And I, I think there's a lot of research and discovery to be done in those areas that would really improve uh, how an NFL team uh, performs. Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, as we talked, I mentioned a minute ago about what the teams don't give out. It's in, it'd be interesting to know what exactly they are testing for at the moment, you know, and, and the analytics side, like you mentioned, some very different ways, you know, to try and help players' performance. It's hard to see on the field outside of the results, and it's hard to know what they've actually done. Maybe, as you mentioned, stressing the, the players' kind of body, their mental side of things, so they can make better decisions on the field. But look forward to seeing how that does as uh, we move forward here. Obviously, uh, I'm on Twitter um, at Overtime Ireland. Doug's on Twitter at Dmore NFL, and Josh is on Twitter as well at Fantasy ADHD. And it is an account that I mentioned at the start of the show. I've been really enjoying this season. Lots of good info being uh, put out there regarding uh, different positions, different uh, all, all different things regarding the NFL. But I've I've really really enjoyed that there. If you uh, want to follow him, go do that. Make sure you're following me as well. And Doug's heading off obviously to the Jets and the Pats this coming week. Um, I'll be working up until Christmas Eve and then enjoying a couple of days watching the games hoping the Packers get a win and uh, Josh hopefully you enjoy those days off that you have got coming up here at the moment obviously we're available on iTunes Stitcher Tune and all those ways you can stream us as well on OvertimeIreland.com I did a t-shirt giveaway this past weekend I will be doing another one this week on uh, Christmas Eve for those games so stay tuned to at Overtime Ireland for all that uh, as we finish up I'm going to give Josh uh, the floor yet again. Any uh, articles that are coming out this week uh, or in the near future you want to make sure that the, the listeners go and check out? 
Uh, yeah, you know, I've got my usual weekly article over on two QBs called Scatterbrained, uh, where I dive into the matchups and and really just blow a lot of data at people uh, from Air Yard Overlays, which is a kind of a poor man's version of the next gen uh, Air Yard tracker that that Matt Harmon puts out. Uh, I also have what's called a game script uh, game script split plot. That's a mouthful uh, <laughs> that shows what teams do in particular situations of games, whether it be by half or by point differential. Uh, both for offense and defense. So it, some some visual cues to help to help people plan out their rosters for the week. Uh, that's all in my Scatterbrain article at 2QBs. Um, I'm not sure if I'll have an article up over at Fantasy Guru Elite this week. Um, I'm looking at some things for them, but haven't decided exactly what to write about yet. So that's kind of up in the air. Yeah, and you mentioned there as well, you know, the kind of visual cues with the graphs and so on that you put up. Uh, I think they're they're very helpful. Some people might find the, the stats a little bit overpowering uh, if you just see them written down in, in Word format, but to see them in the graph format makes it really easy and digestible. So definitely something I think people should check out. That is at Fantasy ADHD. Doug, you're obviously heading to the Pats Jets this Saturday night, as uh, you mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, I'm sure you're looking forward to that. Anything uh, that you've got coming out this week, uh, Pats related? Um, so I, over the past few weeks, I've been examining, uh, some key positions for the, the, the team beyond 2016. If you have a chance, go check out ESPN, New Hampshire. I have uh, written about the running back situation and the wide receiver situation. I am planning to talk about their tight ends this weekend, um, or this coming, uh, I should say later this week. Um, and obviously this affects, I would think some fantasy owners. So be sure to check it out. I really look at the situation, not only from a performance uh, situation, but a, a depth and also just a, a money situation in regards to contracts and, and salary and stuff like that. So uh, I would recommend looking at that. Uh, I come out every week with um, on uh, Green Iron Experts with a, a list of 10 sleepers that I like for the week. Um, and also I, I usually cover um, every fantasy football injury every Friday night. gets published on Saturdays. Every fantasy football injury and uh, their likelihood of playing and how they will uh, – play in regards to you know if they're limited or not so uh that that's what i usually do every week and, and that's what i have on tap this weekend yeah and i've mentioned it on the show over the last couple of weeks uh if you're and particularly if you're a patriots fan definitely you need to be following doug on twitter at dmer nfl great info coming out there on, on a very regular basis and uh, with all that there i guess all that's left to say is uh Happy holidays to all the listeners. Uh, thanks for listening and throughout the year. Uh, we'll be back next week with another show, myself and Doug, I guess, as well. I want to say if uh, you don't uh, believe in any of the holidays, uh, just have a good weekend and enjoy the football and uh, hopefully you win your playoff games. And, uh, of course, until we're back next week with another show, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.